Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. I want to share some words with you today about 2022, and no, I am not reverting back to old ways. I wanted to talk today about the modern prophetic movement and to offer a few choice words, if you will, and thoughts on the matter along with the word of the Lord. But first, I want to read these words to you. This came from an article I found online regarding 2022. Quote, old systems of power will continue to be dismantled. Over the next few years, we will continue to see our outdated political systems be exposed in the reorganization of power. Power will be distributed horizontally rather than reserved for the chosen few. We will be challenged to trust more, considering nearly all parts of our lives feel uncertain these days. Having faith can be a tricky belief to come by. However, in 2022, it'll be essential. The waters run deep, emotions run high, and we are in a time that requires faith and trust in life and humanity. Fear has replaced our ability to see clearly. In 2022, it will become apparent that the only way forward is through trust, confidence in life, and our ability to take the following steps with conviction. The financial world will see unprecedented change. There will be experimentation and revolution when it comes to finances and material matters. Expect big advancements when it comes to digital forms of currency. Because of the signs in the heavens, there will be rebirth and death. You have to let go of the past to create the future. Starting next year, we will have to take an even deeper look at what needs to shift to create everlasting and positive change. After this year of stop and go, allow yourself to ride this wave of up-leveling. People are going to take back their power. In 2022, we will all start to gain our power back and write our own narrative again. You can't own your own power without owning the fact that you create everything that manifests in your life. 2022 will be a year of mass ascension. This will be a biggie as we will all be urged to reach higher levels. There's a possibility for strong female leadership in the United States and prophets will help to unite us all. They will be unlike any other prophets that have been seen in history and in modern times. Seemingly coming from nowhere, they will deliver miracles upon the masses. These prophets will deliver messages of hope, love, healing like never before seen and will be a direct driving force to complete uniting millions upon millions of people across the globe. Hope will feel renewed. There will be a major decline in those who report and identify anxiety as something they struggle with. 2022 will be seen as a year unlike any other. Prepare yourself for a heart-opening, mind-opening year never before seen in history. End quote. Now, I want to read another word to you from an individual regarding 2022. Quote, a declaration for 2022. As we move into 2022, I speak over your life. You will not die premature, but you will see the fulfillment of your desire and purpose. I decree and declare the supernatural blessing of divine direction is being released upon you now. Every area of your life that needs adjustment and instruction will hear this prophetic release. I speak to you ears and your eyes now to be open to the realm of knowledge and understanding. You will know exactly what God is saying to you on how to be elevated to your next dimension. Right now, God is shifting someone's miseries to give way to their miracle. Listen, you are too anointed to be eliminated. It's time to advance. End quote. You had two different words given there. And when I read both of those words back to back and knowing that they were from two different sources, the first one was from several sources that were combined. The, these questions come to mind. 
Can you tell which one of these words is from a professing Christian? Would it surprise you to know that one of them is an amalgamation of predictions from psychics, Reiki healers, and mystics? And I had to change a little bit of the wording, but I was shocked when I came across this because I did some digging, trying to find words and listening to words. But I came across this and I changed the words from, it actually said a singular prophet and that a prophet would come on the scene. And I changed it to prophets because I was shocked that it was even mentioning about in the in the um, realm, if you will, of prophets in this article that was written by a combination of Reiki healers, mystics, and psychics about 2022. So reading both of these, there is no difference when you hear the verbiage, when you hear the words being spoken, really they sound the same. And this is quite concerning, and this is why I hope that there are people listening to this podcast today who will take the time to heed the warning that I'm giving you in trusting and listening to people who say they're prophetic voices and that they're giving you direction for this year. And I hope that you'll step back, that you'll test what's being said, and that you'll get back to what is the most important thing, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But sifting through prophetic words over the past few years... I can recall even ones I wrote and spoke were sharing some of these similar traits I'm getting ready to share with you. Vague and generalized words, indescript, nonspecific, almost making it difficult to test or to be refuted, which when we look in scripture, yes, even in the Old Testament, we do see prophecy that was veiled and did not have full understanding, but still there were prophecies that were very descript, very detailed, and They came to pass. Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies that are found in the Old and New Testament, which the Bible is completely different than other books that you'll see, other, quote, holy books that other religions may honor in that it really focuses a lot on prophecy. There is a focus on numerology, and it's rising in the prophetic movement. It's been going on for a long time. I did a podcast a while back about omen reading, about chasing dragonflies and looking at numbers and the repetitive nature of numbers that a lot of us read into, which it may surprise some of you to know that if you do some digging and research on this, you're going to find that there are psychics that rely on angel numbers, and the numbers are very similar, if not exactly the same, to what is used in the prophetic movement in the hyper-charismatic church, in seeing repetitive twos and ones and 747, and you know the list goes on. But there is a focus on numerology, even taking calendars, combining numbers together, trying to read into them, and trying to put significance to them for the year. This is omen reading. The focus on numerology in this and trying to decipher what the numbers mean, which, yes, numbers in the Bible can have a significant meaning that God assigns to them, but you do see that there's man assigning meanings and explanations to these numbers. We don't have this in Scripture. This is extra-biblical knowledge that's being applied. It's omen reading, and it's forbidden in Scripture, by the way. We see a focus on personal wealth, and you're going to see this in a few minutes. We could cover a gamut of prophetic words, but I wanted to look at the recent word released by the ACPE. Now, you may not know what the ACPE is. It is known as the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders. There is a combination of dozens of prophets that come together every year at the beginning of the year. And this uh, organization was founded by C. Peter Wagner, who coined the term New Apostolic Reformation. He believed in the restoration of the apostles and the prophets 
This started in back in the 80s, I believe. This is the third wave of the charismatic movement. He was integral in this and starting this belief that the restoration of the apostles and prophets, which I have heard some Bible teachers talk about, there is a difference between someone who is a continuationist and someone who is a restorationist. Continuationism believes that the gifts never stop, but this is a restoration of the apostles and prophets, the office of the apostle and prophet as a governing authority in the church which I no longer hold to. I do not agree with that any longer because I've covered that in other podcasts. But we could cover a variety of these prophetic words, but I, I came across this one and I did some searching and reading on it and I wanted to share some things with you. So buckle down, get your Bible out. If you need to take notes, take notes. If you need some popcorn or a snack, grab one of those. We're going to go on a ride and we're going to read through this, see what this says, and I'm going to express some concerns to you, some red flags to you, and do a little bit of digging going back in time for about five years when it comes to the ACPE, and we're going to test some things and look at some things. Hope you're ready. Let's go. The prophetic word for 2022 from the ACPE, the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders, is come together. And Cindy Jacobs and James Gall are usually the big ones that will put this out. It'll be shared by Elijah List at times or Charisma Magazine or other prayer intercessory groups. So the word for this year, they said, For the Lord says this is a season where the Holy Spirit is particularly active with many powerful manifestations of his glory. This was one of the things that the the quote prophets kept saying in this council. Now, I want you to notice something as we go through. You're going to notice a lot of repetition as we look at some things here. You're also going to notice that there is a lot of vagaries. There's a lot of generalizations. This statement, for one thing, for the Lord says this is a season where the Holy Spirit is particularly active with many powerful manifestations of his glory. I don't know when the Holy Spirit is not active. He doesn't take vacations, and he's the third person of the Trinity. He indwells believers. He does many things. He is conforming us to the image of Christ. He is enduing us with power to where we can walk in the way that we should walk. He is giving us the fruit of the Spirit so that we can be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. There are many things that the Holy Spirit does, and he is not particularly active in any, in any time or season or year. He's always active in the lives of the lives of believers. So these are just things to think through. Some people may think this is being nitpicky, but you need to be nitpicky. You need to be looking at these things and going, this is really general. This is really vague. This is really nonspecific. It's, is this even prophecy? That's the question that also you should be asking too. Whenever you hear someone say, thus says the Lord, which a lot of these people, the professing prophets want to get away from saying that. You'll hear some of them saying, don't say thus saith the Lord. Well, why not? I mean, that should be another red flag to you. If someone is not wanting to say thus saith the Lord, but they want to call themselves a prophet, the Old Testament prophets, even the new, even in Agabus, Agabus also used this same phrase in, in essence saying the Lord says. I don't understand. Well, I guess I do understand because it removes accountability. For someone to say, don't say, thus saith the Lord. Hmm, that's interesting. I think that's a red flag. They said this, quote, this word came out over and over in our ACPE prophetic council, which is what I just read to you about the season the Holy Spirit is particularly active with many powerful manifestations of his glory. The operative word is that God is releasing new waves of his power throughout the world. The next category they had here under their prophetic word for 2022 was called the glory shakings. Quote, many voices are prophesying shakings to come. Nations will be shaken. And they reference Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. 
This will result in a, quote, glory shaking or glorious shaking for the body of Christ. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but it will result in great glory for the kingdom of God. As the nations shake, many will come to Christ. There will be a great awakening from the great shaking, so do not be afraid in the midst of the shaking. God is using this shaking to realign nations. Trust God. In the last season, Satan was shaking the nations, but now God is going to do the shaking. This will result in a wealth transfer. That's going to be a common thing that you're going to see. This has been said, this has been said for decades, is my understanding. People that were in this even before I was born in these movements. The wealth transfer has been stated for years upon years. I don't know, I, if I'm not mistaken, this came around during the time of William Branham and, and the, the ones that are recognized as generals, quote generals then. This will result in a wealth transfer that can be used for the great harvest of the nations. Believe God to upgrade everything in your life during this time. Miracles upon miracles will manifest in the glorious shaking. They talk about building the family altar, about fasting and praying for family salvation, about the prodigals coming home. There's nothing wrong with fasting or praying. There's nothing wrong with asking God and petitioning for salvation, for for loved ones to come to Christ, to have their eyes open and their ears open, to have their hearts softened. There's nothing wrong with praying for that. But what you find in this movement is there's not a whole lot of praying. It's really decreeing and declaring, commanding, demanding, and quite honestly, uh, and sad to say, there seems very little of the gospel being being ministered here. As much as prayer is important and such, there's also should be a, a coupling of the gospel being presented, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just to unbelievers, but continuously to believers to remind us of why we've been saved, what the message is throughout the, the word of God, the full gospel of Jesus Christ is very important. And it's not elementary for believers. It's essential for believers. Exposing sin in the church. They talk about this, about judgment comes to the house of God first. And I would agree with that. I would definitely agree that concept as it is, as as the judgment coming to the house of the Lord first. The shakings can be likened, they said, to Ezekiel 37, which is a very well-known passage that's used, but it's misused and misappropriated out of context because this is talking about Israel. And they say, where God spoke to the prophets to speak into the valley of dry bones. You may only see dry bones in your life now, but God is going to put your life into order and bring you into this new great awakening that is happening. In the midst of the shakings, many will experience transitions. Be willing to let go of old transitions and move into the new without fear. This will help you get unstuck in your life. This is very general, very vague. This is a great example here of not being specific. But when someone reads this, they're going to take it personal and they're going to think, oh, this, this is talking to me. This is, this is the word of the Lord. I have felt stuck. I I need to be willing to let go of old traditions and move into the new without fear. This is so generalized and so vague that it could fit hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Is this prophecy? Is this just a nice word of encouragement in difficult times? Is encouragement the same as prophecy? And we know that 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and consolation. But this just being encouragement is not equal to prophecy. This is just a, this, this is coming across as a very general word. And furthermore, it's misappropriating scripture. They say the nations will tremble. God is going to manifest his glorious self in a way that all will know that he is God. He is going to literally cause the nations to tremble before him. He is going to reveal himself as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My question is, hasn't he already done that? 
Isn't that already clear? I know to unbelievers that it's not clear. I know Romans talks about that the creation, it basically testifies that there is a God and that people are without excuse. There is no excuse for people not to know that God exists because the evidence is before their eyes. But we also know that Jesus has come and he's made it clear in his word. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know that he's coming back again to judge and to rule and to reign. Again, this this verbiage here is kind of muddy that he is going to reveal himself as this. He's already revealed himself. These are things you need to be thinking about. If you're going to if you're one of those people that's going to continue to read these prophetic words and put stock in what these people are saying, you need to be evaluating what they're saying and do not swallow it hook, line and sinker. You need to be using some critical thinking. It's okay to do that. And it's, it's okay to test things. They talk about the technology revolution. God will give his people new ideas on how to create jobs and be on the cutting edge of developing jobs that will result in the promised transfer of wealth. There we go again. Generation Z will experience a movement of holiness. They will be so fervent before God that it will provoke the generations before them to join in with their consecration. New waves of technology will be used that will result in hundreds of thousands of genuine conversions through the use of social media, such as TikTok and other new innovative tools. I, I want to point something out here. The, the focus on a generation. This is another thing that has been done for years. That this general, there's a talk, even Catherine Kuhlman did this in her time, for example, that she believed that generation was the last generation before the, the coming of the Lord. And that there would be, she declared this, that there would be no other generation to come. That was the last generation. Well, that was not the last generation. This is done a lot. This is done to focus on this, the current generation and to say, you know, they're going to come into holiness. They're going to move in great miracles, signs and wonders and power. And they're going to do things much greater than the previous generation. Again, there's another focus on this to propel that generation. Most certainly, I agree, we need to be ministering to this this new generation. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to understand the the importance of the truth of Scripture and the, the testimony of Jesus Christ. They need to understand real prophecy. And this is my fear, my concern. As someone who was part of this movement, I think that there is a great uh, abuse of the word of prophecy. I think that there is a great misunderstanding of the use of prophecy. I think that there are some things that are neglected when talking about prophecy. Again, I'll talk about that in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Time for the Daniels and Josephs, another part of this word. We have released words about God raising up Daniels and Josephs who will prosper in whatever political climates as well as financial climates may come in the future. There is going to be an increase in the efficiencies of Christian leaders to begin to partner together in the area of venture capital and partnerships in business. Now, this is getting into the seven mountain mandate stuff. When you start seeing things like this and they're wanting to get into different influences, which there's nothing wrong with Christians influencing different parts of the world. But this, the belief behind this, when, when prophets start talking about this, they're talking, they're alluding to the seven mountain mandate that we're supposed to take over the seven mountains of influence in the world. Again, I've talked about that in a different podcast. You can look that up. I reviewed a book that was about the seven mountain prophecy and some of the history behind that. So you can have a listen to that. This is where this is coming from. They talk about Christian statesmen and women will become what was likened to ninja warriors, bold and not ashamed. The same will be true for God's sheep. They will be strong and unafraid. Now, there's a little bit of mixture in here of some truth, but also, again, vagaries, generalities. It's not specific. This is, I would argue, this is not 
prophecy. And, and going back to the whole thing of time for the Daniels and the Josephs, and then saying, you know, we've talked about God raising up Daniels and Josephs. We are not called to be Daniel or Joseph. There is no spirit of Daniel. There is no spirit of Joseph. We are to be like Christ. And Daniel and Joseph are types and shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. When you actually look at and study and see the, the similarities of how it's pointing, the typology is essentially what we're, I'm getting at. When you look at the typology of what, what Daniel did and what Joseph did and what that's pointing to, it's pointing back to Christ. It's alluding and pointing back to Christ in different ways. I don't have time to get into that today with you, but I would encourage you to look up some good teachings by Bible teachers, solid Bible teachers that will help you to understand that better, understand the scripture, and not tell you that you're supposed to be Daniel or Joseph. You're not called to be Daniel, and you're not called to be Joseph. They're dead and gone, and they're with the Lord. You're called to be like Christ. That's the point. When you read scripture, we are called to be like Christ. We are to follow Christ. Again, you're, you're not Daniel. You're not Joseph. Neither am I. We're called to be like Christ. And that's who we need to keep our focus on and glean from what happened in the Old Testament. But we don't need to continue to, to say that we're supposed to be like these people or emulate them or look to them for answers. We look to follow Christ. The next thing they said It's time for both revival and reformation. While many of us understand revival, the Lord is speaking to us that we need to marry these two together. We are not only to get souls saved, but to disciple them to fulfill the great commission. They refer to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. This involves not only being discipled in the ways of God, but also going out into society and being a reformer to disciple and teach our nations. It was noted that the charismatic movement eventually lacked true discipleship, and we do not want to be lacking in this area in the coming move of God. A new generation of revivalists is being released to evangelize the great end-time harvest of souls. However, a generation of reformers are also arising who will reform their nations back to a biblical worldview. The fear of the Lord will return to the church. Huge hunger among God's people will impact the world. People will once again Quote, redig the wells of revival. This is another term that's been thrown around for a long time, another teaching. I've sat under this teaching myself. Places that once saw great moves of God will experience his visitation again. In fact, it's already happening. Do you see the generality, the vagueness of all this? That it's like a blanket statement. It's like a shotgun approach. You just blow a word out there and it's supposed to go everywhere and it just hits everything. It Again, the is this prophecy? That's the question. That's the question. Revival involves weeping before the Lord for the sins of our nations. Tears are liquid prayers that bring the presence and glory of God. Chapter and verse, please, on that. There will be meetings where a great sound of weeping for the state of individual souls will rise before the Lord. There will be a passionate crying out for the salvation of the lost. At times, this travail will be quite dramatic. God will pour out his spirit without measure upon a people without mixture. Although we love revival, this new marriage of revival and reformation will release John the Baptists, who are not reluctant to be contradictory to culture. They will be countercultural to turn people to biblical culture. The revivalists and the reformers will form teams together. As mentioned in Isaiah 65, 8, the new wine is found in the cluster. Taking scripture out of context again and not putting it in the proper context. This cluster anointing will break the chains of human slavery, abortion, euthanasia, power, and other societal ills. Oh my goodness. So you're going to see this pattern as well, that there is a call for reformation and revival. Uh, You're going to see talking about culture, you know, releasing again, John the Baptist. We're not called to be John the Baptist. There was one John the Baptist. He prepared the way of the Lord. That's what he did. 
He was the one that was prophesied of in Malachi 4. I've done a podcast on this as well when talking about reviewing Bethel in teaching of of the prophetic, finding the misappropriation of Malachi 4, showing that Malachi 4, for example, is talking about John the Baptist, about he, the one who will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and vice versa. So no, we're not supposed to be like John the Baptist. Again, he was for a specific time and for a specific purpose. And we can most certainly glean and be encouraged by, by what John did, but we're not called to be John the Baptists here. No one is. We're called to look like Christ. We're called to follow Christ. For the life of me, I cannot, when I read these, they are so general and so vague, and it's throwing in Scripture, forgive me for saying this, it almost seems like Scripture is being thrown in to validate the Word, and there's little to no focus on Christ. I mean, we're talking about the letting the Holy Spirit have his way and giving and they didn't say this in here, but teachings on giving and permission. Scripture invert chapter and verse, please, where it says that we give the Holy Spirit permission. He is the third person of the Trinity. He does not need our permission. We are many little people that have been created. We are the clay. We don't tell the potter what to do. We don't tell the Spirit of God what to do. We don't give him permission. I mean, there are things, and I've said these things too, so forgive me for being a little more exuberant about this and and, and zealous. I've said things like this. They're not scriptural. They're not biblically based. Maybe that's why I feel so passionate about it, because I realize the error of my own ways, and I want other people to come out of this error, because we're saying things, and we're saying them with a sincerity, but they're, they're wrong. They're not based in scripture. And we've got to understand that and not continue to walk in these ways and be ignorant of what what we're saying and what we're doing that's not testifying of what the Word testifies of. And we're not glorifying God in the process, even though we may desire to and and genuinely want to. Being genuine and being sincere does not mean it's correct. It does not mean that it's actually from God to want to be sincere. That's not the mark of truth. Other things they talked about, that conflicts among nations will erupt during the spring. They said persecutions will increase. Worship is the key. They talked about 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22, that when the people worship, the Lord set up ambushments. They also are going to mention in a few minutes in past words this same scripture. You're going to see repetition, as I've said, as I've repeated several times. Stadium events will happen around the world, according to the prophets, as God draws his people into corporate worship. There are strongholds that have been long standing in some nations, and only corporate worship will break them. Seasons of extended worship will also take place as worship leaders unify together. They prayed for China, Taiwan, Korea, Middle East, uh, Israel, Central America, the U.S. And then they talked about the, uh, the key of Isaiah in, in Isaiah 22, verse 22. They said, quote, God is finishing promises from the last generation to begin new ones. The year 2022 is going to be a year of open doors. Hmm. Doors of bondage will be closed. New opportunities for jobs, wealth, business startups, and blessings will open, including the buying and selling of property. Again, general, vague, misappropriated scripture. I could go on. There were prophecies and things you felt would happen in 2020, but they got delayed. I wonder why the spirit of delay will be broken. And when the blessings manifest, they will do so with double blessings. The number 22 is one of the most significant numbers for us today. Why? Why do I need to put stock in numbers? Am I told to do that in scripture? Am I told to base my life on, on numbers that I see on a clock or the, what year it is? Am I supposed to do that? Are you supposed to do that? Hmm. I don't know. Well, I do know the answer is no, we're not supposed to do that. This year signifies alignment. February 22, 2022 will be the, we'll see the alignment of 2222. 
Now they put this, this disclaimer in here. While we are not to worship numbers or use them as an astrological forecast, numbers are significant in scripture, but they just negated that, that statement because they just did it. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you, Lord help me. Do you see what I'm saying here? (laughs) Do you see that, that there is double speak going on here? That there's talking one side out of one side of the mouth and then talking out of the other side of the mouth, saying that this date in February will see the alignment of the twos. New Age people do this. This is not the practice of believers. I, I mean, if you want to compare us to somebody in Scripture, then we are like the Israelites in the Old Testament who are adopting the practices of Egypt, which that's a type and shadow of, of sin and bondage. The, the whole statement of saying that at the end does not validate what they just did. They're doing exactly what they said not to do or that we shouldn't be doing. That we use them as an astrological forecast. Well, you just did that with f- using February 22nd, 2022. They say the Hebrew alphabet is made up of 22 letters. Well, what, what happens when we get to 2023? Is the Hebrew alphabet not relevant any longer because it only has 22 letters? Jewish people will see that Jesus is the Messiah on a large scale in the coming year. In addition, there will be a back to the Bible year with a fresh emphasis on scripture. There shouldn't there we do not need a specific year to tell us to get back to the Bible. That's the problem here. We need to be in the word every single day. And people are suffering because of biblical illiteracy in the church. And there are people that are clinging to the words of these self-professing prophets. And this is not okay. It's not okay. And I'm concerned that there are people clinging to words like this and so many others, and they're following these people and listening to them, and they're putting stock in what the, in what people are saying, and they don't have a clue as to what Scripture really says about things, or they have a gross misunderstanding of what scripture says. And let me just say this, I don't have all the answers and there's, and I'm I am going to perpetually be learning continuously what scripture says and studying and, and be that perpetual student, just like all of us should be. So I don't have all the answers and I don't, I don't certainly don't pretend to have all the answers. Having said that, I recognize in my own life that I need to be in the word every single day for many different reasons. And for the the biggest reason is I want to grow my fellowship with Christ. It's not about being a right fighter or a heretic hunter or anything like that. It's about growing in my fellowship with Christ. But a part of that is, is knowing what is truth and what is not. That's part of the, the intimate fellowship with the Lord, understanding his word so that not blown around by every wind of doctrine, not led astray or deceived. They say the number 22 has specific, a special emphasis on giving and sharing. Generous giving will result in the completion of many building projects. Those who have longed to fund projects will see great increase in their finances so that they can give what is in their heart to advance the kingdom of God. This will include giving to the poor and a move towards the eradication of systemic poverty. Now, this is great. We should be helping the poor. We're called to help the poor. But we live in a fallen world. This is None of this is going to be changed until Christ returns. The sin, the brokenness, the, the sickness, the, the fallenness is not going away. The earth is groaning to, to see the revealing of the sons of God, to see the basically to see the coming of Christ again, to see things, the, the futility that it was subjected to, to cease and be no more. And for the old to pass away and for the new to come. So this is a nice thing. We should be helping the, the poor. We should be giving. We should be doing these things. But is that going to be done by us, fallen human beings? 
Jesus quoted Psalm 22 from the cross. This is them saying this, In the midst of great pain and suffering, the persecuted church will be a beacon of light to the world. Now, here's something, we're, we're closing on this word, but I wanted to point this out, and I did some some searching. This is when I started going back at least five years back to 2018 for every year they put a word out to look at this. They said, quote, the ACPE, which is the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders, warned of a virus-like sickness that would come upon the world that seemingly could not be cured. However, in the midst of this challenging time, God is going to cause us to understand that we are limitless in what we believe for from God. There will be a breakthrough of the ceilings that stopped your faith. Faith on new levels will be critical in this season. That is interesting because uh, I read to you at the beginning that faith was and trust was going to be critical, and that was coming from Reiki healers, mystics, and psychics. There will be unstoppable breakthroughs. In order to manifest our God-given abilities, we must have the faith of God. I want you to pay attention to that, question, that, that statement. We must have the faith of God. That's word of faith teaching. This goes back to Hebrews 11, and there's a teaching that's out there that's been given many times about having the God kind of faith or the faith of God. That's not what that's saying. We are to have faith in God. We don't have the faith of God. That's completely different. They say there will be accelerations of our ability to feel his presence in our lives as well. Having looked at all that, I want to argue a few points. First, I want, though, I want to make some observations. The statement regarding the virus, I looked back five years, as I said, back to 2018. I had to do some digging. I found uh, the words, uh, 2018 was hard, a little harder to find, but I did find it. It was shared on a, a prayer site in Al- for Pray Alabama. I found one under Elijah List. I found one, uh, a couple of them under uh, Charisma magazine. And uh, I looked back at least five years to 2018, looking for this statement of that they warned of a virus-like sickness that would come upon the world. And there was no mention of it. There was no mention at all. So if someone knows from this ACPE, the yearly prophetic words they release, if someone knows where that information is, I would love to see it. Because they're claiming that they warned of a virus-like sickness that would come upon the world that seemingly could not be cured. I can't find any evidence of it at least five years back. And it certainly wasn't in, they did not give the word for 2020 from coming out of 2019 that this was coming. And I know people will say, well, we know in part, we prophesy in part, that we need to understand the proper context of what that means. And furthermore, she didn't prophesy it at all. And, and then in 2021, I mean, when you look at the words, I wrote down some of the things here. There was no date given to reference this prophetic word, for one thing, when they said that they said it. And I did notice similar words being given over the last five years. Um, in 2018, they said these are some of the, the highlights or the, the words, if the I won't, buzzwords, if you will. 2018, they said this is the, the, it was the year to possess the gates. What gates has Satan closed? They talked about suddenlies and acceleration. They talked about moral reformation, the Isaiah 19 highway. There was a talk of in 2018 of the great wealth transfer. This is going into 2019. So great wealth transfer going into 2018. Time for the Daniels to arise in 2018. Uh, Kim Jong-un would come down in 2018. In 2019, they said supernatural acceleration and suddenlies again, that that was going to continue. Women were to rise up. They were possessing the gates of the enemy again. North Korea, joyful increase. The year of transition, which there will be a birthing of new things. They referenced Second Chronicles 2020 and, and quoted 
half of it saying that they that you are to believe the prophets. And when you do that, you will prosper. There's a reason why that's pointed out today, because in order for you to not question and not test, essentially, and to put your trust in the prophets and believe the prophets. Again, misappropriated scripture. They talked about cultural shifts for 2019, marriage of revival and reformation. Did you hear that before? You probably did because it was the word for 2022. They talked about creativity and they talked about shakings. For 2020, they talked about it was a new era. They talked about 2 Chronicles 2020, the year of the voice. Nations would have trouble. Natural disasters would come. There would be miracles. Reset and restitution would come in 2020. We were going to grow into our skin. It would be the year of reset. But the year of reset, it would be a year of reset, a year of blessing, a year of roaring, a year of declaring and decreeing promises. Was that the year of 2020? There was no mention of the virus in 2018 or 2019 leading up to 2020. There was none of that. And yet in year 2021 for the prophetic word, they said it was a year of great contrasts. There would be persecutions. Men's hearts would grow cold. They talked of wars and rumors of wars, shaking in society, a realigning of nations. They said it would be a bumpy road in 2021. Spiritual warfare would arise. There would be a glory awakening with suddenlies, a refiner's fire. It would be a time to build. It would be the days of Noah and that worship would be important because it would be a type of warfare. Again, talking about Second Chronicles 2020. And we've already talked about 2022. So these are some thoughts that occurred to me while looking through all of this. First, why wasn't 2019 foretelling of the pandemic and other chaotic events? I mean, it wasn't just about the virus, that the election, there were lots of other things happened. And yet in 2021, the, the prophetic word that they gave for 2021, it was kind of like Captain Obvious. I mean, you look at it and you're going, well, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the throes of what's going on here, of the issues that are going on between the pandemic and, and political unrest and, you know, all the, the societal issues that have been going on, which they've been brewing for a long time. They're now coming to a head even more so. So my question is, how is the obvious after the fact prophetic? How is gener- general information having nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ prophetic? Revelation 19.10 comes to mind, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back around to Revelation 19.10. When you look even um, a, a verse before Revelation 19.10 to verse 9, it says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And John's response was, He fell down at his feet to worship him, to worship the angel. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, there are a few different ways to look at that, that people understand that. Essentially, when we look at that understanding is the message or testimony given by Jesus is the essence of true prophecy. And Jesus is the word. And no prophecy comes to us except through him, ultimately pointing to God as the source of all true prophecy. Some people will take that scripture and try to use it and misappropriate it and twist it to mean something it doesn't. But prophecy should point back to Christ. And, and his word testifies of him. So we must remember that. Another question I have, why are chapters and verses elevated to be divinely inspired and treated as omens? I want to give a loving and gentle reminder that the chapters and verses in the Bible are not divinely inspired. And if an angel comes to you or to someone else and starts talking in such a manner, by the way, that's something to kind of think about. Why would they do that? Because the chapters and verses were not given then. They were... 
they were assigned later when the Bible was being translated to make it for an easy point of reference. So the chapters and verses are not divinely inspired. That is not part of what the Holy Spirit inspired. These things are being used and abused, I would argue, in such a way to assign it in a prophetic type way, while negating the fact that Scripture itself is prophetic. That's a question I have. Why are chapters and verses continuing to be elevated, to be divinely inspired and treated as omens? And that's what's happening. Scripture's being used and abused in a way as omen reading, and Scripture forbids that. We are not to participate in such practices. And you can't say out of one side of your mouth, well, you know, this this year with all the twos, this is going to line up and this is what this means and, and assign meaning to it. And then out of the other side say, but we can't treat numbers like astrology. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. In addition to this question, the focus on numbers, calendars, uh, the Hebrew calendar, the Gregorian calendar, uh, the re- repetitive numbers. This is used in the new age and the occult practices. Why is there a push to mimic this behavior? We need to be asking these questions and we can't just say, well, we need to redeem what the, the occult has taken. We are not told to redeem practices. God redeems people, not practices. I've heard that from, from someone that came out of the new age and I thought that was a great quote, so I can't claim that for myself, uh, but it is a, is a good point. God does not redeem practices. He redeems people. And so we need to keep that in mind. And we're never told to go and take these things back and and to do them. In fact, again, in Deuteronomy 18, we are told not to do these things. The Israelites were told not to do these things. And so in essence, we can see that the people set apart for the Lord are not to participate in these things. The God of the Bible in the Old Testament has not changed. He's not a different God in the New Testament. He's holy. He is righteous. He is, has set boundaries. He has set, he has given instructions for his people to follow. And there's a reason for that. There's always this talk of hidden keys in scripture, of these things that are secret or hidden, the secret knowledge. And my question is, why is there such a focus on alleged secrets hidden in scripture while people remain ignorant of the plain text and the revealed truth? Where is the preaching of the gospel, which is the more sure word of prophecy? Scripture is the more sure word. Peter talked about this. I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. In Second Peter, Peter talks about how he had this, this experience. He witnessed the transfiguration. The, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he witnessed that. He was there and saw Jesus in all of his majesty and his glory. And yet he goes on and tells in the scripture in 2 Peter 1, 19 through 20, he says, there is a more certain word, a more sure word of prophecy, and it's scripture. And he assures us there that scripture was written by men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there was a dual authorship, if you will. It wasn't just the man writing those words out. He was being used as a instrument if you will, like a pen, to write out the instruction and the revelation of God himself. And it was done by the Holy Spirit. We cannot ignore this whole thing of, we can't just take scripture and pull out what we want as far as using it to prove a point with a prophecy that, or a dream or a vision or, or, or can't encounter in order to validate and justify what we're trying to get across and say it's from the Lord, but then we don't have any understanding or what understanding we have is grossly misused or or abused or twisted 
from the original meaning of the text. We do a great disservice to people when we're not presenting the truth of that. And again, the, the gospel is absent. I, I mean, sit and honestly, take, take, evaluate, evaluate these words, listen to them and ask yourself, is God being glorified in this? Who's being glorified? Who's being testified of in these words? Just because someone gives a word of somebody's address in a public meeting, or they call out some of their personal information, or they give these general and vague words, and there's no specifics to them. I mean, they can be specific about an address, but they can't be specific about what's going to take place in general, like get down to the nitty gritty, to the details. We need to think through these things. Why, why would they know that, that intimate or that personal information, but they wouldn't know the specifics about what's going to happen in your life with a, with a particular issue or what's coming down the, the pike as far as a great pandemic or the great uprising, um, in the political system and get ex, ex detailed with that, but they can be detailed in these other things. I mean, that should be a red flag to you. And then to say, well, we know in part and prophesy in part, but you don't even prophesy the part that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, see, these are the things that we, we need to think through and critical thinking is okay. And anybody who tries to shut down your critical thinking and tries to tell you, you can't test things against scripture, or they allude to things like they do. in some of these prophetic words that I read through that, that the great moves of God are going to come. And those that are religious are going to try to shut it down because Satan's operating through them. That one of these words, they said that, and I'm paraphrasing, but they still, that was the gist of what they were saying in one, in one area, that there was going to be great moves of God and that there were going to be people that would scoff or the, the religious people that were legalistic were going to try to shut it down or to deny it and that they were being basically controlled by Satan and that they would be brought down. That shuts down critical thinking. And just because someone questions a prophecy does not mean that they are being puppets of Satan or operating. And we should be reminded that 2 Corinthians 11, Paul told the Corinthians that super apostles would come and that, that they would masquerade themselves as uh, servants of righteousness. And no wonder because Satan comes as an angel of light. We are told to defend the faith. We are to contend for the faith according to Jude. We are to test everything. We are to test everything. We are to test these spirits. First John 4. We are to test prophecy. We're not to despise it, but we are to test everything. First Thessalonians 5. We are instruct, not only instructed, we are commanded in Scripture to do these things. And forgive me for being bold with this, but anybody who comes to you or I and would say, how dare you question this? How dare you bring any sort of questioning or how, how dare you try to insinuate that this isn't from the Lord any any certain way and try to shut you down say you're a Pharisee you're religious you're legalistic you're you have a demon uh, you know on and on and on in this they are trying to shut down critical thinking and they're not obeying scripture and they're trying to get you to disobey scripture and it's not okay we are to obey God and we fear God we do not fear man we obey God that is what we are called to do, and that's what we're told to do as believers. We do it in love. We do it with, uh, with patience, with, with you know, long-suffering or patience. We do it with kindness. We are always ready, according to 1 Peter 3.15, to always give a reason for the hope that we have, but we do it with patience and, and kindness and generosity. But we are not told, well, you just turn a blind eye to 
to false teaching. You you don't need to pay attention to it. You don't need to test things. Well, you just despise prophecy is what you're doing. Now, actually, I personally don't despise prophecy because I love the word of God. That is true prophecy. And true prophecy is communication from God. And if someone's going to claim that they are speaking on God's behalf and they're, they're speaking nonsense and they're speaking things that contradict scripture, then by George, I have every right and you have every right as a believer to contend for the faith and to say in love, but with honesty and truthfulness, no, this is not the Lord and this is why. And we need to get back to scripture and you are not ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what saves people. It is not the power of our prayers that save people. It is the God who we pray to that saves people. And we have placed a lot of power and authority. We do have some authority in the earth, but we have placed a lot of authority on ourselves and give and glorified ourselves in such a way that I, I fear that we are not, that, that the gospel is lost in all of this. And people are chasing these words and it's becoming idolatry. It's idolatry. They're chasing men and women. They're chasing these words. They're listening to things that are tickling their ears. They're even potentially listening to doctrines of demons. They're, they're engaging in all of this activity and there's no gospel or there's another gospel being presented. Like Paul warned the Galatians, there's another gospel being presented. Not that there is another gospel is what Paul says. But there is a there people will try to bring another Christ or this is Christless. I mean, you, I read through this and I, and I these things and I'm going, I don't know where Christ is in all this like this is and some people may think I'm silly for saying that and so be it. But I don't see Christ in all this. This is not testifying of Christ. This is this is regurgitating the same vomit, if you will, uh, year upon year, and it's vague and general, and it's nonspecific. It's not testifying of Christ. And some of it is is stating the obvious, and that's not prophetic either, as far as, well, there's going to be natural disasters. Well, Scripture tell, has already told us that, that that's going to take place. This conclusion may irritate some, but it would seem that prophecy is poorly understood. And when a, quote, prophetic word sounds eerily similar to New Age or psychic predictions and verbiage, then there is a serious problem. When experiences, dreams, visions, angelic visitations, and the like are elevated, and they're said to be from God, and restricted from testing by the individual who presented it because they have already decided it is from the Lord, then testing is reviewed as unbelief, legalistic, religious, and void of the Spirit. And if someone says it is from God and it is called into question, then the assumption is made you are coming against God. Now, whether someone actually wants to admit that or not, someone may not admit that, but I would, I would challenge that whole mindset and the statements of saying, you know, this is from God. The, the Lord told me, God, God showed me this. When you see YouTube videos that say, God told me this about such and such. God said this about such and such. And then that doesn't come to pass. And the person says, well, I didn't say I was a prophet or, you know, I'm just still learning how to hear the voice of God and I'm fallible. No, you actually said God told you that. And you're not going to get out of this. <laughs> you need to be held accountable for that. That's the loving thing to do is to hold someone accountable and for them to understand the the sobriety of saying God said something when he didn't. There, and there's no reverence for the Lord in that. And talking about how we know in part and prophesy in part, but then you don't want your word tested, that's disingenuous. You can't throw that scripture out and say, we know in part and prophesy in part, and this is the reason why it didn't come to pass, and then not welcome testing if you believe that prophecy can be fallible. It doesn't work that way. 
It doesn't work that way. And I mean that in a loving, in a loving way. As frustrating as this can be at times to hear all these things and to, to see how people are being led astray and they're wandering off and knowing that I was participating in that type of activity and behavior, it, it's concerning. And so this is why I'm doing things like this. So you can't say it's from God. And when it's called into question, to say such a thing and, and to make a blanket statement like that or to make a, a general statement like that, it's essentially putting into someone's mind and, and, and giving them the understanding that if I question this, I'm coming against God. And that's not okay. But then to say, well, it can still be fallible because I'm a fallible person. No, we've got to look at scripture and the examples in scripture and test them against that. And as I said before, we are instructed and commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. We are to not despise prophecy, but we are to test everything is what it says. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from evil. We are to test the spirits. 1 John 4.1. We are also given warnings of judgment in 2 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we're going to talk about the word of the Lord, then let's talk about the word of the Lord. Let's go to 2 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. It says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Sober words by John the Revelator there, who people want to talk about how he focused on love and he knew the love of God. Uh, I think all of us that are in Christ, we are, we are understanding the true love of God. But those are words of John the Revelator. The Apostle John, who said, do not even greet these people. Do not let them in your home. If they do not teach Christ, the, the, the true teachings of Christ based on Scripture, you don't greet them. You don't have any participation in what they're doing because you are participating in their wicked works, and it could cost you judgment and even your full reward. Uh, what do we do with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2? How do we reconcile that? I mean, this is one that really kind of shook me up when I when I sat and read it coming out of this and 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 thinking and pondering on it. Hebrews 1, 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. How do we reconcile that? Are there still prophets today? As far as governing prophets, the fivefold ministry of prophets, who do we listen to? I mean, who do we, who do we believe here? Do we believe what scripture says? There will be those who argue accuracy is present in vague, generalized words, but is that the only test for prophecy? No, the answer to that is no. And biblically, there are three tests, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, for determining a genuine prophet. The first is the fulfillment test. Did what they say come to pass? But also, there's the orthodoxy test. Are they teaching things that are already known in scripture, that God has already revealed through his written word? If they're not, they're not true prophets. <laughs> They're not to be listened to. And that includes anybody who would come to you with, with a, another teaching. The lifestyle test. Does their life match up to what God has taught in his word, how to conduct themselves? These are general things, but you can find some studying on these, some 
uh, on I'm sure on YouTube about about these different elements of a true prophet and how they're biblically based. When the word of God is ministered, prophecy is going forth. Prophecy is not just foretelling. Prophecy is forthtelling. And I think that that's one of the things that's been ignored grossly with scripture is that people are looking for someone to tell the future. And it all, it's always prophecy. And though prophecy can be foretelling, pro- prophecy is also forthtelling. And guess what is forthtelling? The Bible. 27%, if I'm not mistaken, of the Bible is made up of prophecy. There's a vast, there's a good chunk of the Bible that's made up of prophecy. And almost every book in the New Testament contains some form of prophecy. So prophecy is valuable. We also have to understand, too, that prophecy is also understood to be inspired preaching. It is the proclamation of the word of God. That is prophecy. This whole mindset of it just has to tell the future and that's all that prophecy is and it has to be accurate in that sense. And I would argue that we need far more uh, forthtelling of the proclamation of the gospel in, in this time than we do trying to know what someone's favorite color is or their favorite fruit is or the address that they have or trying to, to throw out such general vagaries that could be like a net or like a shotgun approach to where it hits somebody. So that's prophecy. Prophecy is communication from God to mankind. Scripture is communication from God to mankind. In closing, having said all of th- all of that and having gotten riled up just a little bit, but it's out of love and genuine concern for sheep who are wandering. Here is my encouragement. Make sure that you know the written word of God and have proper understanding of it. Stay biblical, my friend. You know how to avoid despising prophecy. You start by loving his word, which shall not pass away, which is prophecy. You test what is being stated as fresh revelation, and you follow the commands of scripture over the dictates of man and thought-stopping devices. Vague words of encouragement that could apply to masses of people are not prophecies. Calling out general personal information is not prophecy. Stating the obvious in a predictable societal climate or political situation is not prophecy. Angels delivering messages contradicting scripture is not prophecy. Ask yourself, does this word glorify and testify of Christ? And if an individual cannot present the most important prophetic word clearly and correctly, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you are to follow what God has truly said in his word in listening to that person. Be blessed today and encouraged by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, And we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.